Thank you, Shannon. And <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Thank you, Shannon and Kathy, for your ministry and music this evening. I decided to look at Psalm 23 this evening uh, in its entirety rather than to drag that out uh, because of the way that the church calendar is falling and uh, different times that I'll be speaking and not speaking. And uh, someone asked me this morning, where am I going after 2 Timothy? Was I going to just move on into Titus? And the answer is no. Uh, I decided to do some work in the Old Testament. So uh, we're gonna do the book of Jonah in the morning, and I'm gonna start the book of Malachi at night. So uh, that's where we're headed. Uh, if you would like to keep up, you're welcome to look at those books and, and study them. Uh, we trust that uh, God would use those to help us and prove to be a benefit. All right, tonight we look at Psalm 23, one of the most familiar portions of scripture. It's one of those Psalms that virtually everyone seems to know, whether they're not, certainly a favorite at funeral services, often included in the literature that is distributed just prior to a service, oftentimes associated with viewings, etc. Psalm 23. And I would submit that it's so well known because it's, it's beloved. It, in, encourages people as we think about our relationship to God. Key verse is Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Theme, since God is David's shepherd, every aspect of his life will be taken care of. Uh, first, David celebrates the person of the shepherd. Jehovah God is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, all capitals, referring to Jehovah. Of course, in the New Testament, Jesus is identified as the good shepherd. John 10, 11, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the, for the sheep. Jesus is a shepherd. Uh, he is a good shepherd. And most importantly, he is the good shepherd. Uh, that uh, article is probably an elative use of that word, meaning that uh, he is the good shepherd that is referred to in the scriptures, but uh, even more than that, that he is the supreme and ultimate example of the good shepherd. Uh, good shepherds are people that give their lives for the sheep. Good shepherds are, are those that are willing to risk themselves for the sheep. Uh, David, of course, uh, speaks of the escapades that he had in defending the sheep and the way he risked his life, and uses that an illustration of how the Lord will take care of him when he's ready to go out to battle against Goliath. So Jesus is the example of a good shepherd, but he is the supreme and ultimate example of the good shepherd, meaning that there's no shepherd better than him. Uh, that uh, Jesus, of course, uh, not only is willing, but actually does give his life for the sheep so that we would have eternal life. Secondly, David celebrates his personal relationship to the shepherd. The emphasis is on David's relationship to 
the shepherd. Notice all the personal pronouns. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So those personal pronouns are found not only in every verse, but in every phrase. Uh, they are, we are constantly reminded of not just the benefactors that the shepherd is, but in particular, the benefactor that the shepherd is to his own particular sheep. Uh, we who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior are blessed to be a part of his flock. One of the pictures of judgment in the New Testament is that uh, God separates the sheep from the goats. Uh, two different kinds of flocks. The sheep belong unto God, the goats do not. So as this shepherd, the benefits that we are going to be referring to in this uh, psalm are reserved for the people of God. And that is one of the sad aspects of this psalm being so widely known and used. There are many that take comfort in truths that really don't belong to them. Uh, that uh, God does not have this particular relationship for uh, every single person on the face of the earth. You have to have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ in order to be a part of that flock. In John 10:3, uh, it says, To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. That, again, speaks of the personal relationship that we have um, to Jesus. Uh, he knows the sheep by name, or intimately, personally associated with the sheep. Uh, I grew up on a farm. We didn't have sheep, we had a lamb. Uh, we had one, pretty much a, a pet lamb, until my father butchered it. And uh, my brother does not eat lamb to this day because uh, it was heart-wrenching for him when my dad uh, butchered Mary. Uh, Mary was the sheep. Uh, we named our horses. They all had names. We, we named the lamb. We had 70 head of cattle. We did not name the cows. Uh, they were not prized possessions. They were just dutiful producers of milk. Uh, but here, this idea is that uh, the endearment that God has to us, that he knows us by name, certainly God knows all things. So it is speaking about an endearment. It's speaking about this precious relationship that we enjoy to God. Number three, David celebrates the shepherd's provision. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, as I look at this psalm, uh, I view that as kind of a capstone for the, for the psalm. It's a summation of the psalm. The rest is an explanation of what that means, that we will not want or have lack. Okay, That word for want is 
a good old King James word, that doesn't refer to desire. That isn't saying that everything I want in life uh, I'm going to get because uh, God is my shepherd, but rather it's talking about lack. I will not lack anything because of the fact that God is my shepherd. Now, what does that include when we say that we won't lack anything? Perhaps one of the verses that sheds the best light on this is found in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7, where this same Hebrew word is found. And it states in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going through the, this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord of God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Uh, the same Hebrew word. I shall not lack. He says to the children of Israel wandering into Egypt, wandering the wilderness for 40 years, uh, you have lacked nothing. So as we think about the children of Israel in the wilderness, we know how they grumbled. We know how they complained. Uh, God provided. He gave them manna, but they wanted other food. Uh, they wanted meat to eat. And then God sent them quail, uh, but he did so in his displeasure, and uh, it eventually stank. Okay? God took care of them. Their shoes did not wear out, but they didn't pass through a series of malls where they could purchase all kinds of different shoes uh, for uh, their liking. But their shoes did not wear out for 40 years, They're likewise their, their garment. So when we're talking about not lacking, uh, we are speaking of the essential needs that we have in life. The scripture teaches us with food and raiment we are to be content. Uh, we are to recognize that, that God supplies our needs. He does watch over us, and we are to rejoice in that great truth. Um, I've here the, the prayer of the Confederate soldier. If you turn to the last page on the back, uh, I first in, encountered this uh, prayer in a book that I read when I was 14 years old. I can remember it very well. I was reading about prayer. I was 14 years of age, and this prayer, for whatever reason, really uh, spoke to my heart. Uh, it gave me an understanding of prayer in a, in a new way, and it has stuck with me. And uh, so I, I share it with you in that light. The prayer from the Confederacy, a Christian Confederate soldier's prayer alleged to have been found on a Confederate soldier uh, that was uh, uh, a casualty at Devil's Den in Gettysburg. Here is what that prayer states. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches, that I might be happy. I was given poverty, that I might be wise. I asked for power, that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness, that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things, that I might enjoy life. I was given life, that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything that I had hoped for. 
Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all people most richly blessed. Um, God provides for us in, in wonderful ways, many times in ways that we don't expect, anticipate, or even ask for. But his provision is a good provision. I'm not going to go into all the New Testament references. You know them. How a father will not give a serpent to the son that asks for a fish. God knows what we stand in need of. That's that great passage in uh, the uh, book of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount uh, that speaks of how the Lord provides for us, speaks of how he provides for the uh, sparrows uh, that sow not, neither they reap nor gather into barns. Yet I say unto you that your heavenly Father uh, feeds them. Uh, it talks about raiment, and, and it states that um, even the lilies of the even the lilies of the field uh, are not clothed uh, in the. Uh, excuse me, that uh, Solomon in all his glory was not clothed. Uh, like the uh, lilies of the field, uh, that uh, God is able to provide. Next, David celebrates the shepherd's providential care. It speaks about the shepherd's leading and direction. One of the unique qualities of the shepherd and the relationship to the sheep is the way in which the shepherd leads the sheep. Uh, one of the wonderful characteristics of sheep is that they follow. They follow. The shepherd is out in front. The shepherd leads and the sheep follow. Uh, that is pretty unique in the animal kingdom. Okay? Uh, when you think of cattle, for example, uh, cattle are not led, they're driven. Uh, I'm sure you've all seen old Western movies with the cattle drives and the cowboys are not out in front. They're in the back. They're on the sides. They are pushing the cattle forward. But that's not the case of the sheep. But he's out in front and, and he leads the sheep and the sheep trust the shepherd and the shepherd is worthy of trust. For notice the providential care. God providentially pr provides people with his food to eat. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Um, in the Hebrew, these green pastures are tender shoots. They are the most, it is when the, the grass is at its tenderest. Uh, so that could be that he gives rest. But I think that the primary aspect is that uh, it's when the food is the most delectable. It's when it tastes the best. Uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. God providentially provides his people with water to drink. He leads me beside the still waters. Uh, one of the characteristics of sheep uh, that I'm told from the commentaries, uh, I don't know this from personal knowledge, but one of the things that the commentaries state about sheep is that they're pretty skittish animals. And one of the things that really scares them are, are fast run, running brooks or a water that speeds by. They, they won't venture out 
in it to drink. So this aspect that he leads me beside the still waters is the aspect of a calm place, a place that is not scary, a place that the sheep are willing to, to drink from. It's not only that he provides, but he provides in a loving and tender way. Uh, he gives us what we have in need of. God provides rest for the weary soul. Uh, verse 3, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. He restores it to its former strength and glory. Um, when I think of the word restore as it's used here, uh, the best application that I can think of of, of restoration is being a car guy, I think of automobiles that are restored. Uh, you know, you, you see these, these car shows, if you ever watch them uh, on cable, uh, where they find this old junker that's full of rust and all beat up and so on, this muscle car, that they totally revamp and they bring it back to its original luster. And in actuality, it's better than new uh, in terms of the quality of the paint job and, and the interior, et cetera. It looks fantastic. Uh, it's restored to its original condition. Uh, that's this sense of what God does for us. He restores our souls, our souls. Um, though the body may grow old, our faith stays fit and strong. 2 Corinthians 4.16 So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Uh, that there is this constant renewal, uh, particularly of our faith and of our confidence, uh, that uh, though life grows weary, uh, God is able to grant restoration to our innermost being, uh, that we can be confident, that we can have faith, that we can endure. Um, growing old, in some ways, is a person that said, not for wimps. Uh, you know, you've got uh, aches and pains and, and limitations. And yet, as you get older, there's a sense that, you know, you, you, you feel like you did when you were a young person. You don't feel old in the terms of your perspective on life and in terms of what you think you can do until you go out and try to do it, and then you meet reality. Uh, I, I gave up playing basketball when I was about 40. Uh, up until then, I was still out there trying to go up and down a basketball court. But I got to the place where I knew where I was supposed to be, I just couldn't get there. You know, I, I knew how to play the game, I knew what I was supposed to do. The problem was I just couldn't do it. I could have been a coach at that point, but, but my, the playing skills had long gone. Uh, but in my mind, it was still there. And I could see myself as an 18-year-old, as a 19-year-old, when I could actually play. Well, well here the thought is that, that he restores us inwardly so that there's the same vim and vigor in our faith as it was when we were young. We still walk with him. He still walks with us. And then God leads us in the way that we should go. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. 
He leads me in right paths. He leads us in truthful ways. He does not lead us astray. So many leaders lead us astray. We, we follow and uh, they go the wrong way. Lyndon B. Johnson and uh, the whole issue with Vietnam and all the other things. Lyndon B. Johnson once said, I walked down a weary road and the nation followed me. Uh, Lyndon B. Johnson uh, was kind of sorry the way things had turned out. He said, I walked down a, a weary road and the nation followed me. We can be thankful that we follow a shepherd that leads us in righteous paths, leads us in the way that we should go, not disappointing ways. And then lastly, God leads us in the way that we should go to his honor and glory. For his name's sake. For his name's sake. And that has two connotations. First is that he leads us in the right way so that his name is not dishonored. Uh, he is going to be faithful to his promises. He is going to keep his word. Okay? Uh, and I'm sure you've heard the phrase that uh, the, a person's word is their bond. Uh, their reputation. Uh, God is concerned about his reputation. That he keeps his word. And so for his namesake, that his name is honored, he leads us in the right paths. And secondly, the idea is that uh, not only for his namesake in the sense that um, he is faithful to himself and his promises, but also that, that we might give him glory, that we might recognize his goodness and grace in our lives, uh, that uh, he leads us in right paths so that we will exalt and Praise him, that that will be the outcome. Next, David celebrates the shepherd's protection. David celebrates the shepherd's protection from life's ills. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. Uh, I will not be afraid, even when I am in the midst of death's shadow. When I am approaching death, when death is near, I can still have confidence in the Lord's protection. He will see me safely through death. Uh, I will be in his house forever as this psalm ends. And in that protection, David will be protected from others. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Those were the two great instruments that a shepherd had. The first was a rod. That was a, a smaller, uh, you think of the staff, that was the, the one that is very long, uh, taller than the shepherd's head that had a crook on the end of it. But the, the rod was a short, uh, almost like a billy club that the shepherd would carry. The purpose of the rod was to beat off the uh, prey that would try to devour the sheep. Uh, that's what David would have used when uh, he came across the bear, when he came across the lion. He would have pulled out that rod and would have 
beaten away that bear, that lion. Uh, so we have this image of our shepherd carrying a rod that will beat off our enemies, that he will protect us. And then the second imagery, too, David will be protected from himself. For it's not only thy rod, but in verse 4, thy staff, they comfort me, both of them. The staff was used to turn a wandering sheep and bring it back to the fold. If you think of that shepherd's hook, and uh, it's called that, a, a shepherd's hook, because of the hook that was on the end of this long pole. The reason for the hook was so the shepherd could reach out and put that hook around the neck of a sheep that was wandering away and pull it back. Pull it back. Uh, gently, lovingly, bring that wandering sheep back to the fold. Here is this great truth that the shepherd pursues us. In the New Testament, we have the parable of the shepherd with a hundred sheep, 99 uh, are in the fold and one has wandered away and he goes out after that, that one uh, wandering sheep. Now that is used to speak of our relationship to God. Uh, when we wander away, he pursues us. His spirit convicts us. Uh, his spirit is, is going to engage uh, us to a point where we seek to repent. We, we seek to come back to him. Uh, it's a great comfort. And certainly David experienced that in his own life uh, when he had wandered from God and uh, was unrepentant for that almost year that took place uh, in that time in which he committed adultery with Bathsheba and had Uriah the Hittite killed. Uh, but uh, God pursued him in the form of Nathan the prophet. God confronted him. God brought David back. And there are many uh, that can speak to that. Uh, we sing the hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Uh, many of us can speak and know of particular periods of time in our life that we might have gone astray. We might have become indifferent to the things of God. Sometimes it's not long periods of time. Sometimes there are fleeting thoughts that we have. Uh, the hymn story behind that uh, great hymn is that uh, the, the person who, who wrote that hymn, and it's just coming to mind now, I didn't look it up, uh, Pastor Howard, remember the name of the person who wrote? Uh, no, okay. Uh, but anyway, he uh, wrote that hymn as a young man. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. And in the grace and providence of God, it just so happened that he was traveling. I don't remember the story if it was in a stagecoach or a train. I think it was a stagecoach. But he was traveling, and there was a woman seating, seated across from him. And she was reading, and one of the things that she was reading was a poem. And she said to this writer of the hymn, who now had wandered away from God and was no longer serving him, she said, may I read you this poem? 
And so she read to him the poem that he himself had written about prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. She, she looked at him and she said, isn't that a wonderful and comforting poem, sir? And that's what God used to bring him back. That's what God used to restore him in his, his faith and commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, how uh, unusual that, that God would use the, the very words that this individual penned. But we can have comfort. Not that we want to live uh, irreverent lives by any means, but, but God will pursue us. And we take comfort in that fact. David celebrates the shepherd's plentiful blessings. David will feast while his enemies look on helplessly. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Uh, just think of being uh, surrounded by a whole host of enemies. And as all your enemies surround you, you get out a nice uh, picnic blanket, and you get out a, a, a picnic lunch, and you sit there on this picnic blanket as all your enemies are, are surrounding, and they can't do anything to you. He prepares the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou, uh, David, will receive divine blessings of God. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. So David will receive more of God's goodness than he can handle, uh, that, that just overflows his cup, more than he can contain, uh, more than what uh, he can describe. Lastly, David celebrates the shepherd's persistence. Goodness and mercy will constantly attend to him as long as he lives this life on earth. Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Here the imagery is of a servant. Uh, you may have been at a party. You may have been at uh, some fine gala. And uh, there are uh, people that are uh, wandering around with a, a tray in their hand that have hors d'oeuvres. And they are serving different people these hors d'oeuvres as the night goes on. Well, here the imagery is of goodness being served, mercy being served, and just following you around, pursuing you, uh, granting you goodness all the time, granting you mercy all the time, that when you stand in need, it's right there for you to obtain. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me, pursue me all the days of my life. And then this great constant thought, God's goodness and mercy will also extend to David in the life to come. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, I believe that that's speaking of eternal life. Um, certainly David looked forward to being in the temple. In the psalmist, the, David says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that may I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all my days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Uh, that psalm is written in the time that he was driven away uh, by Absalom. And as he was driven away by Absalom, what he missed the most was not the palace, but the temple. Okay, now realizing, of course, that the, the temple as we know it at that time had not yet been built, but the tabernacle, the presence of God, is what he, he missed. And he said, I will dwell in his presence forever. 
I believe he's speaking about eternal life. That this great shepherd will give him life forevermore. Uh, can't beat that kind of shepherd. Let us pray. Our Father, I pray that this psalm that has brought comfort and uh, help to so many would be our comfort and help tonight. Uh, Lord, may we go away rejoicing and, and recognizing how good it is to be the sheep of your pasture, to be the sheep that you lead. Thank you, O oh God, that we heard the voice, that we heard the call to salvation, and that we responded by your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you know us by name. You know every aspect of our lives. You have full awareness of all our needs. And, oh God, you are sufficient for all things. So may we never doubt your ability to provide. May we never question your willingness to meet our needs. May we never doubt your wisdom in leading us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. Lord, may we be assured that you will shepherd us all the days of our life and for eternity. And we thank you and praise you for that unique and precious relationship that we enjoy to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. And you are dismissed. <laughs>